Pets, 90s Kids, and Early Otters, it's Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap. I am Sam. And I am Rachel. And we are a real-life couple with a generation gap. Isn't that the podcast, That's Rachel? literally the whole purpose of the podcast, people. All right, we got 12 years between us, and I don't care what you say about it. We love each other. Yeah, we do. Even if we do experience things differently, even if they have the same name. Right. Like this week's topic. Right. Uh, <laughs> listeners, listeners Topics. will... <laughs> they are different. They are very different. Listeners will already know that this show is titled Arrested Development, Arrested Development. Correct. We are talking about the 2003 Fox television series and... And the 90s hip-hop band. Yeah. So, um... As you might imagine, Rachel is the 90s hip-hop band. <laughs> and uh, Sam is the television show <laughs> that we both watched. Yeah, yeah. This is less of like Rachel has no idea of what's going on and more of just more of an insight into why it's personal to me and just some fun stuff I've been looking up. Some fun stuff, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to give a really quick uh, explanation of your topic? Sure. Um, Arrested Development is a ensemble comedy focused around a family... Uh, it's a quirky real estate family. It was a short-lived show on Fox that never really found its audience. We'll kind of get into why that is. Yeah, uh, a landmark, groundbreaking television series. That's right. What about your Arrested Development, Rachel? <laughs> My Arrested Development was a hip-hop... Actually, I'm going to change that and say is, because they're still together. Oh, that's right. Uh, Arrested Development is a hip-hop uh, collective, I guess, uh, that was really popular in the early 90s, uh, and their focus was on fun, funky, socially conscious hip-hop with, like, an Afrocentric focus. Mm-hmm. So kind of the same thing. Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> but there was a time where we weren't as familiar with these topics as we are now. That is true. Turn those lights off, because we're going in the dark. Click. Take it away, past Sam and Rachel. <laughs> oh. oh, no. What's wrong, Sam? Oh, it's just there's no light when I'm in the dark. <laughs> doodle doodle. That's right. It is time for In the Dark, where Sam and Rachel interview each other to find out just how much they know about this week's topics. What are... This week's topic, Sam, what's what's the topic from your generation? Oh, well, this week I'm talking about arrested development. Mm. Rachel, what are you talking about? Well, this week I'm talking about arrested development. Say what? Say who now? Oh, dear. What the dizzily? <laughs> That's right. We chose uh, arrested development, the band. And, and arrested development. The TV show. That's right. So your generation's ch choice this week is Arrested Development, the TV show. So yes. hit me. Well, Rachel, I know that you've seen this TV show. I have, yeah. But you have not actually seen all of this TV show. Right. So this is like a little bit of a weird pick for us just because I'm not completely in the dark on this one. Um, I have seen Arrested Development, but I definitely didn't see it. I wasn't the same age as you were when you saw it, which is why I feel like it's more important to you, generationally speaking. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm i specifically probably going to be talking about only the first three seasons of Arrest Development. Later okay. it got picked up on Netflix, and then there's some late 
stage drama. Not talking about any of that. Okay, I don't know how much I've seen. I feel like I've seen the first three seasons. Yeah, I feel like you might have only seen the first two seasons. Or maybe I saw the first. I saw it through Charlize Theron. <laughs> Mr. F. I guess that's the reference that I don't really recall. But yes. Yes. Um, so... Uh, you know all the careers that Arrested Development launched, all the... Of course, Maybe's career. Right. <laughs> I just watched Search Party. Anne. Anne? <gasps> well, that didn't make her career. May? May. What is her last name? I don't know. Oh my god, I but love her! Uh, Jessica Walters, uh, Portia de Rossi, Will Arnett, Michael... Sarah. I got my Michael Sarah on Late 2000s indie darling Michael Sarah. Mae Whitman. That's her name. She's amazing. So, Rachel, do you have any idea of why the first three seasons of Arrested Development came to an end and Fox decided to cancel it? I'm going to go ahead and guess sexual harassment. No, this was 2003. <laughs> oh, okay? that's when we just let people get away with stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah, they did not call, <laughs> they did not blow a whistle until 2018 with Arrested Jesus Development. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Okay, so not sexual harassment? Um, um, not, I don't know. Not the first time. Probably because it was really good and they always like to cancel like indie comedy shows. I'm so excited to tell you the story of Arrested Development. Later. Okay. Later. Later. When we learn. Okay. Great. Yeah. Well, Sam. Yes. What do you know about Arrested Development, the band? I know they sing one song. They sing... It's Arrested Development. Is that the theme song to the TV show we were just talking about? Yes. Great. Great. That is not Arrested Development, the band. Although that would be interesting. And I will say, by the way, this week's topics, are st- we just chose them because they have the same names. And no. We that was fun. No. Uh, but I do think that you and I are really good at finding how things intersect, what's the synchronicity between them. So I feel like we will figure that out. Oh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so what do you know about the band? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I Literally know, nothing. nothing. <laughs> um, can you name the genre of music? My best guess is like I don't even know if this is like a genre, but like like <laughs> hip hop with a band, you know, like the roots or yeah. um, I feel like hip hop can be hip hop with or without a band. It, you don't need the like the parentheses probably well yeah i guess kanye so. has a band a lot you know right well there's when your act is so big that you can actually afford <laughs> to make your digital sounds real just just for the fanciness of it that's one thing but but a lot of these groups i find that like they have sounds that are rooted in like somebody actually playing the saxophone yeah, instead of like sampling electronic yeah music. yeah totally so I, i'm trying to differentiate because that's what i, I think imagine that is that's that, on, yeah that's on that's yeah. fun um, great. Okay. And can you name a song by Arrested Development? Um, Earth, hold me now <laughs> while I gaze upon your beauty. Yes, that's off one of their later albums. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's when they got you real hippy dippy. I feel like you know one because I've told you stories about it, but you're not going to remember the name. Do you want me to tell you? More than anything. <laughs> More than anything? More than anything. More than anything. It's Mr. Wendell. What? <laughs> Jesus. Mr. Wendell? Yes. 
Mr. Wendell's the name of one of the songs by Arrested Development. I know that the song Mr. Wendell is a song you know, and you'll say, hey, this is Mr. Wendell, and then you'll mouth the words along at me. You'll go, Mr. Wendell, he had a a problem, or whatever. (laughs) Like, whatever the song is. But you, like, you, like, Sing that song at me, and I remember also you and my brother sang that song together one time, and that's oh, a nice unifying right. moment. But I truthfully no don't know what's going on. All right, well that is fun. That's joyful because basically this in the dark revealed that one of us is completely blind, mm-hmm. and the other can see, but only a little bit. Uh, I guess we will find out a little bit more about both of these topics from our future selves. Yep. Future Sam and Rachel, turn on the lights! Doodly doodly do. Click. Oh, that is. Remember that? Oh, man, that time when we didn't know what each other's arrested development were, but we kind of did. Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, I'm very excited to kind of uh, dig into these topics. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really excited for us to figure out the intersection. Yeah. How? And even more so. A challenge that you put in place, mm-hmm. which is which one of these pieces of art groups is more deserving of the name Arrested Development? <laughs> right. Of course. Yes. Yes. Well, Rachel, would you like to impart some knowledge on me yeah. about the 90s hip hop band Are Arrested you Development? Are you kidding me? Tennessee. To Tennessee, Tennessee. To Tennessee, Lord, I really been real stressed. Down and out, losing ground. All the white and black and brown problems got me pessimistic. Brothers and sisters keep messing up. Why does it have to be so damn tough? I don't know where I could go to get these ghosts out of my soul. Anyway, so many hits. Wow, yeah. They just keep coming. Tennessee, Mr. Wendell, <laughs> Tennessee. They just keep coming. People every day. Well, I am everyday people. But that's everyday people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they have their own, and it's great. Absolutely, no, I did like that one a lot. They I give shout out. They do a lot of uh, sampling. Mm-hmm. All right. So, as you learned this week yes. in your Arrested Development boot camp, uh, Arrested Development is an American hip hop group. Um, I learned a lot about them this week because obviously, so I, I listened to Arrested Development in the early 90s. Specifically, they were really popular in like 1993. Sam, how old were you in 1993? Uh, Depends. Are you you talking about the early part of 1993 or the later part of Mm, 1993? Well, let's do both. Um, the earlier part, I would have been one. In the later part, I would have been two. No, I would have been two and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is correct. Wow. And I, of course, was uh, 13. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you could have just 14. got those two people together and told each other that, that they'd be married That they had forever. a future together. <laughs> Gross. Um, so anyway, so I did a little uh, digging on on the old internets and learned a bunch. Um, so I'll give you some hot history facts, some quick facts to start, um, which is we'll start with the fact that they formed in 1988 in Atlanta after not uh, in Tennessee. Uh, very Tennessee, Tennessee. Uh oh. To Tennessee. That's Lord, all you got to do. Really, very real stress. You just got to name a state. This girl, she goes. <laughs> 
Um, but the two guys that basically formed the group, Speech and Headliner, they were in art school together uh, in Atlanta, met there, and they started their group. And they were huge. Like, I think that, like, a lot of what I was reading about on the internet was like, where are they? Where did they go? Because they were huge. And, you know, they, like, their album, the one that I, the main one that I had you listen to that has Tennessee on it. Five days. Three hours. Three years, five months, and two days in the life of. Which, by the way, that's the name of the album. And want to know where the album title came from? Mr. Wendell. (laughs) He gave it to them. (laughs) He's like, you know, I've been dealing with some problems, (laughs) but I got something that'll solve them. Uh, Incorrect. I believe the album title was just a nod to how long it took them to put the album together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so their that album was just like huge. And um, that was like their debut album. And it sold like over 4 million uh, copies, which is really big for like a debut yeah. album, first album. Um, and then especially considering that history basically forgot them. Mm. Like they're just kind of not like you had no idea who they were. No right. Idea. But obviously, you know who like Biggie is and Tupac. And he's been around. They've been around a lot longer than Biggie <laughs> for obvious reasons. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then, then like in a lot of my reading, I noticed that they were referred to a lot as alternative hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason is because gangsta rap was really big at this time and they were an alternative option to that right Mm -hmm. Um, and they were like an alternate universe of hip hop too because that like at the time gangsta rap was popular and their group was super like socially conscious and positive and like storytelling uh, and like underlying themes of morality Mm -hmm. you know as opposed to like Snoop Dogg you know, who, right. like, loves to rap about blunts, you right. know? Um, and actually, I did see this uh, interview with Speech where he said that at first, their first group they started, they did gangster rap style, and they were like, this feels very on us. And mm-hmm. then they switched to, like, what they were meant to do. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, I had this feeling when I was watching, or watching, when I was listening, and I was just like, I hope this isn't, like, a dig. I don't mean it to be, but it just feels, like, similar to, like, a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air vibe Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, those, like, moral lessons and, like, (laughs) hey, it's cool to care. (laughs) You know what I mean? It kind of had some of those moments in it for Mm -hmm. me. Um, Yeah. I think that that is because it's so um, earnest. Right. Especially speech, the lead person Mm. is so earnest. Um, And I read this as well. It's like that is the reason that they were almost like not as respected later on. Like people like to diss on it. But the truth is that like hip hop was created as an outcry, like as a political outcry. So like I feel like they were using it in the right way. They just were doing it without misogyny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. it, It does go to show you. Yeah. They weren't ticking the box to be edgy. Nah, and, no, no, not so edgy pe- at all. And people uh, decided that hip hop had to be edgy, otherwise it kind of didn't count, I guess, or something. I, I mean, again, I am a uh, Caucasian male yeah. who grew up in Portland, Oregon, yeah. and my brother only exposed me to butt rock and a nostalgia for like <laughs> '90s grunge. Talk to me real quick about so, what what is the rock that is of the butt? Like, what is butt rock? You know, like a like a Chevelle. 
or uh, oh what? Or like I think like the most popular butt rock would be like Nickelback. Oh, but fuck. I'm not like into Nickelback. Right, right, well, right. I mean, I did listen to it like when I was like 12. Yeah. Regardless, what I'm saying is I my like... opinion about hip hop should be taken as such. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, so I think so. Uh, yeah, and I'll get into like my relationship with hip hop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also as a white person, um, so be you know take that for what it is, sure. right? But a hip hop performer. But I am a hip hop performer. <laughs> I am, and um, yeah. So also, so yeah. So they they tried to go in the gangsta direction, and it felt bad. Yeah. And they went in this other direction. And Speech's parents had like been in like involved in the civil rights movement and all this stuff. So it was just like. It, it, it felt right the direction they went in, right? But, like, there's this thing about the group, and I think I said this to you in the very beginning, which is that, like, there was always this, like, old guy on stage. Yeah. I, oh, by the way, I know who that is. Talk you, to me. You said, like, oh, I'm going to tell you who that is, and I know who it is. Talk to me. It's Mr. Wendell. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since the day they wrote that song, they invited Mr. Wendell into the group on stage every performance. No, that is not Mr. Wendell. Um, but good guess. No, he was like, his name was uh, Baba. And he was, I think what's interesting is like, I thought he was just like this guy that kind of was like representative of their spirituality and like, was on the stage, but they considered him part of the group. Like he was in the group. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and he, he didn't have a musical role. His role was like spiritual elder, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but, uh, he was an activist. Uh, I, uh, his name was Baba OJ. OJ. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but he was an activist for the homeless a military veteran, a world traveler, spiritual advisor to the group, strict vegan dancer, vocalist, and, Avid roller skater. There you go. How about that? Wow. And I think they also met him at that art school as well, at the Art Institute. Um, but anyway, and he just died a couple years ago. He was in his 80s. Mm. You know, for me, like, I didn't know any of this, right? I just liked their music. And everyone did at the time, you know? And when I look back and I'm like, well, why did I like it so much? It's really obvious to me now. I mean, first of all, it was really fun. It was the kind of music that you want to sing to. And that was my whole life was just like (laughs) singing out loud to hip hop. Like that was all I did in 92 to 93. Um, um, It was like funky. It was fun. You could dance to it. What more could you want? You know? Um, And I actually am thinking about it now. Like I feel like it combined my childhood love for like hip hop with my future self, like my college self. I became such a little hippie jam band girl. Yeah. This is really granola rap. Right. right. And it was yeah. like, yeah, like they could have a jam that goes on for nine minutes where they're just like, oh, bah, 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 right. Like- okay. All right. So we have to talk about this because <laughs> I was listening to the album uh, five years, three days, 90 seconds, whatever it's called. Yeah. And there's this one song called Washed Away, which is one of these jam songs. Yeah. Well, and it's the last song on the album. And, too. and I tried to have you listen to it and you wouldn't tolerate it. But <laughs> I, I tried to have you listen to this part where this person is just kind of like freestyle riffing vocally. And I, when I was listening to it, I was like, that's the kind of vocal things that Rachel adds to songs. Like, <laughs> as, as someone who's witnessed you uh, improvise many songs or just kind of sing along to what people are doing, but it's always like a <laughs> like a really jazzy, no, I like, hear, I wanna... oh, I can't, it's like a, like a, 
Oh, I, no, I, I can't do it. <laughs> but it's like, it's this certain thing. Again, listen to the song Washed Away. It's kind of towards the end in the last like minute of that six minute song where there's like this vocal free thing. It is exactly the way that Rachel would vocally free really, perform. Really and I, I, I felt like for the first time that this podcast was doing its job. I felt like I was listening to music and understanding my wife more <laughs> Where uh, I as came a from. result. Even when we're off the pod, just in the homework, I Aww, felt like that. Oh, so, I love that. Oh, babe. Yeah. Cheers. But then I tried to play it for you, and you were like, I don't like this song. I, I want to listen like, to another one. I was just like, it's too long. Let's put on Tennessee. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, but yeah, like I never even thought about that because I did become this like jam band hippie. But to your point, I think I think of that as like very jazz inspired, right? right? Like that kind totally. of vocalization is jazz inspired, and I think their music had a lot of jazz in it. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Sax solos, letting the instruments go. Um, I also loved the women in the group. Like, I liked a lot of female hip hop, and there wasn't a ton of it. And so I, I just loved when there was like women on the stage who were like dancing and adding their two cents. Um, but also like this was my formative years. So like 1992, we're probably going to talk about this year a lot on this podcast because it is the starkest change for us, where it's like. I was 13 and you were like a baby, <laughs> but like that for me was the year of like bar and bat mitzvahs. And in my town, there were a lot of those. Also, like we would go to these like seventh grade TLC dances, Teen Life Center. I don't know if I've talked about them on the pod yet. No. Okay. I talked about it on our live show, but not on the pod. But like basically we would just go to these dances every couple weeks on a Friday night at this, you know, community center. And we would just dance to a DJ it was so fun. Um, and that was like where we we all just like loved hip hop. You know, it was just it was that was what we did, <laughs> you know, and, and bar and bar mitzvahs. That's what we did, too. Um, by the way. Oh, so that when they first came out, they you know, they went like quadruple platinum for their debut album and they got the Grammys for best new artist and best rap album. Um, so they were huge. And then they were kind of forgotten. Um, but yeah, so like when I think about memories associated with Arrested Development, you know, I think of these TLC dances. I think of us dancing to Tribe Called Quest and uh, Black Sheep and all this stuff. This band was definitely not as cool as those bands, right? Like, um, but we loved it. A lot of the songs that I made you listen to were on mixes that my friends made, right? Like, Mixtapes were huge back then. And I specifically remember this one mixtape that Wendy, my best friend, made for me. And Tennessee was the first song, you know? So you pop that into the cassette player, hit play, Tennessee, you know? So classic. Well, assuming you had to rewind it first. Yeah, we had to rewind it. We couldn't just <laughs> click a button like you lazy millennials out there. Hey, I burned those CDs with my bare hands. <laughs> we actually did a really fun thing where it was Wendy and I and one other friend. We made a collaborative mixtape where we one person would put two songs on. You'd pass the tape to the next person. Oh, They'd that's put fun. two songs on, pass it to the next person. It was pretty cool. And then, of course, there's this very clear memory for me with the rest of development, which you know about, which is let's get in the way back machine and go back to a time when I was at Ithaca College. And I was a television radio production major. 
and I was in a production class learning how to use cameras that people would laugh at now because I was on the cusp of technology because this is in the late 90s. Um, and the cameras were like huge. And if you wanted to like edit a video, it was like you're editing VHS. And there was like one digital editor, whatever. And you had to like rent it because it was like in a room. It wasn't like you could just do this on your computers like you goddamn millennials. No, you got nothing for that. All right. Anyway, so when I was at Ithaca and I was in a class, uh, we had an assignment to make a music video. And for whatever fucking reason, I chose Mr. Wendell, (laughs) which is a song about how a homeless person is treated badly and how we should learn from this man instead. You Mm -hmm. know, a human in flesh, but not by law. I give you dignity to stand with pride. Realize that all in all, when you stand tall, go ahead, Mr. Wendell. Probably the cheesiest of all of their songs by far. Uh, But anyway, I made a music video to Mr. Wendell and my friend Eli played Mr. Wendell for me. And most of his clothes had like holes in them. So I was like, that's good. You look good. Just put a little dirt on your face because you're homeless. Oh, boy. What I wouldn't give to see that video. Yeah, we don't have the tech to watch it. No. (laughs) See, that's the curse of being a millennial. I could edit whatever I wanted, but it sticks around forever. That's true. Honestly, (laughs) I am so fucking thankful that we didn't have, like, any of the stuff. I'm glad we did not have even, like, a camera phone. For real. Too much You would have been in so much trouble, young lady. (laughs) I would have. (laughs) <laughs> Seriously, I would have been like, ugh, I just got in trouble for drugs. I'm going to be suspended for blah, blah, blah. Hashtag it's not fair or right. something. And then that would be there forever or something stupid. Whatever. Everyone smokes weed. It's college. Um, And hey, it's legal. It's legal it's where we're at. It's the best. Um, But yeah, I just think it's so funny that I did a music video, Mr. Wendell. And that video, by the way, like we showed it to the class, you know. One kid did, you know, everyone else's videos were really good. Mine, mine was pretty bad. I was not really good at my major. Yeah. At all. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck I was doing. Well, you haven't made, I've never seen you make a movie or a radio ad. No, I think, I think that I got upset and frustrated at the fact that like I studied this thing and then all the technology immediately changed the year I graduated. Yeah. And then I felt like I didn't know how to do anything. Yeah. And I didn't. The truth is, I didn't really care enough. Like, I became a TV major because I really wanted to just do theater. But I was trying to do something that was, like, more jobby. Mm-hmm. But that wouldn't be a desk job. Like, I was like, I don't want a desk job. But acting, I shouldn't do acting. And so I did TV radio. But, like, and advertising. I mean... Uh, whatever it was all pointless right here's the thing i've learned a few things about myself uh from 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 this research this week and one of the things i noticed is like i'm attracted to lyrics and vocalists and storytelling so it like makes sense that i loved this band you know totally um they were all about storytelling and Obviously, like you said, like, so I'm in North Coast, which is a hip hop improv team that's been around for over 10. Well, they've been around 11 years. I've been on the team 10 years. And what we do is rap as characters and from the character's point of view. And like, I feel like that's the kind of hip hop I'm drawn to, but I never really realized it before. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's so funny. Like I was telling you about this band, Lifesavers, which is this hip hop band that I just found out is from Portland. But I saw them play in Boston many years ago. And that's what they do. Like a lot of their songs are like from a character's point of view. Yeah. I I mean, as a musical theater writer and a failed singer songwriter, I totally understand this. I understand the idea that like I can, you know, take a perspective and like go as far creatively as I want with that. But whenever it's like supposed to be me or it's like a, you know, like a singer songwriter point of view, that's just like you kind of have to sell yourself like you're cool. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is from <laughs> Durfee the Duck's perspective. And Durfee's <laughs> really angry at Sally. So this song's called I'm Mad at You. You right. know what I mean? And that that just uh, opens yeah. up the imagination a little and bit And to more. be fair, Arrested Development was doing storytelling, but they were like rapping about social justice. And I rap a lot about like cheese. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so there it is. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think like, I liked all the hip hop back then, but I think like what's great about this group was like, they were anti-misogyny before I even knew what that meant. Right. You know, um, a lot of the, a lot of the hip hop was about drugs and it was like super misogynistic and about guns. Yeah. And like at the time, the biggest stories were like Puff Daddy, uh, before he was P Diddy, like. Being in this club where there was all this gunfire and then there was this trial and then like and the murders of like Biggie and Tupac and all stuff. And then then he had then he had Arrested Development, you know, (laughs) it was just like positive or whatever and anti-violence and and all that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, and I think like it's very cool because the truth is now that I'm looking back on it, like hip hop was created as a medium as a medium to talk about protesting. You know, it was like a medium of protest, right? Uh, For like police brutality and racism and all of the the police systems and crime and and all this kind of stuff. And then that's, I think they were honoring that, but they were uh, not as cool, you know, because of it. Yeah. Which is weird. I'll say they did not sell out, which is rad. No. And, and I, in doing this research, I found out they had an album they just released in 2020 um, and it's it makes a lot of sense because this is a year for outcrying, of of course, mm-hmm. you know, and like, yeah, it's all about like everything happening this year wow. and all the racism and social justice that work that people are doing. And so I thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, and I was I wrote down. <laughs> I don't know if this is interesting. We can edit it out. But like, why haven't you heard of them? <laughs> uh, and it was like. They were written out of history because they were just so earnest and sincere. Yeah. Uh, and they were almost like anti-hip-hop hip-hop at their at the time, for whatever reason. Just because gangsta hip-hop, gangsta rap was so bad. Would you say that they were ahead of the curve or behind the curve or they just didn't care about the curve? I feel like they were right at the curve. They were riding the curve because hip-hop is the intersection of DJing, MCing, rapping, and dance. And, like, they had all of those elements in their group and in their shows. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say that they aren't hip-hop or, or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, like, in terms of, like, where the popular culture was at the time of their popularity and fame, do you think that yeah. that was, like, beneficial to them? Do you think that they were, like, ahead of the curve or behind the curve? Or Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they clearly did something right because their first album was huge. And so it was like, it was popular. 
Um, they won all these awards, and then I guess people just kind of they they just fell into the background. I don't know. Mm. Um, but anyway, I know I'm taking up some time here, but we should talk about the name Arrested Development since that's that's like the connection. Absolutely, this episode. So, how would you define the term Arrested Development, Sam? Well, Arrested Development is when somebody kind of, it's kind of like a failure to launch. It's like when somebody in their kind of like late adolescence kind of refuses to grow up, kind of like Peter Pan syndrome or something like that. Yeah. I think it has a few, it, it has a few different ways it could be interpreted like contextually, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but yeah, it's like a plateau of some sort of right. development. Right. So, okay. So in my research, I, uh, this is what, uh, this is what it said, what speech said, who started the group that arrested development takes its name from the historic plight of black people. And this was a quote from him, which was, we saw the state of the black community as being in a state of arrested development. So we wanted to constantly remind ourselves of what we wanted to get uh, beyond. Wow. Right. So in that way, it's like, well, we can't compare these two things. You know, (laughs) we can't compare Michael Bluth and, and arrested development because one is so sincere and so important. Yeah. And, and then one is like comedy. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, did you see that uh, Arrested Development, the group, sued the yes. producers of the yes. TV show? Yes, I was excited that we'd talk about this. Yes. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Because when the show, I remember when the TV show came out, I was like, the band? Like, has a show? You know? I remember in the early days of the internet, Googling Arrested Development and being yeah. like, what's this band? No, yeah. not the band. Yeah, so they sued, but I don't really know what happened. It sounds like not a ton happened but i'm sure they settled out of court what i did find i mean we could talk about it when we talk about the tv show but the tv show references the band oh yeah quite a few times well uh if yeah if you're gonna say the tv show references if you're talking about arrest development the answer is yes yeah that's what they do it is a reference show well rachel do you have anything last on the band here well, yeah i know i more want to get your perspective i mean i just talked a lot and we should probably edit that down because that was too much. No, that's great. I, the whole point of this is to introduce you to Arrested Development. So yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts, you know, like you had no idea who they were a week ago. Then you got to listen to a bunch of their music this week. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Um, I initially was like, that. This, I felt like that this was the thing that wasn't going to take of all the things you've introduced me to so far on the pod. Mm-hmm. Maybe other than Cabbage Patch Kids. Right? <laughs> but... I did feel uh, upon the album's second listen, once I kind of knew what to expect, I think, and like could appreciate some moments of it, then like when it was really on, it's great. Like the first song on that album, it's like this like big like overture of like all these different things and it's just constantly switching up and it's really fun and innovative and sincere. Yeah. It's really fun. It's yeah. fun. It's like you want to dance to yeah. it. It's a little dorky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like a little dorky, and I think uh, for some reason I'm not used to hip hop being allowed to be dorky. I yeah. think, Ooh. you know, and that's like a whole subgenre of hip hop. Well, there's nerdcore, yeah, but that's its whole. <laughs> I'm not talking about nerdy stuff. Look, if you're rapping about Pokemon and Marvel characters, I'm here to tell you you're just rapping about popular culture. You're not a nerd. <laughs> Sorry, being a nerd is being like. It's the right thing to recycle. It's like, <laughs> that's a dork. That's what I mean, is that this is like dorky. And I just, 
Uh, I, I, it did crawl its way into my heart a little bit in that way. Yeah. Uh, in a way that I wasn't expecting. The, the fact that it's, it's so sincere and not doesn't have a cool edge, and I don't feel cool listening to it. I, but I do feel like that this is somebody's like pet project that they poured their heart and soul into, and it, and it really is what it is, and it didn't sell out. And for artistic purity, it's a ten out of ten. And I love that. And I think, um, based on what you just said, like that's maybe what made it so accessible, yeah, and so popular in a way. You know, it's because right. it wasn't. It was kind of hip hop for anyone in a way. I mean, well, yeah. it's not for anyone because it's like it's really <laughs> it's really talking about the plight of black people, but also not just black people. It's like talking about how we treat homeless people on the earth. But also so it's, it's like doing everything. so in a very like open communication way. And yeah. in a very inclusive way. It's like where poet. it's like, it's poetry. Right, right. Where it's like gangster rap is specifically being like this is for a very specific yeah. thing. And like, you don't have to be that, but you get to kind of live it when you listen to gangster mm-hmm. rap. But this, it's not that way. You are who you are. You're listening to music. It doesn't have to put on a pretense or sell you an identity. It is what it is. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. So I, I was actually really, yeah, just kind of uh, a little fascinated by that. Um, though I just, yeah, I just can't. Uh, I can't bop to it the same way you can. But I do feel like it did help bridge a gap. I do feel like we made some inches progress closer together through this band. I yeah. do feel that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, then we did our job. Yeah, we did. All right, Rachel, are you ready to get into the kooky, kooky world of the other Arrested Development? What? Oh, wait. That's the wrong arrest. That's the wrong one. Yeah. Yeah. I am ready. (laughs) All right. Well, Arrest Development, as you know, because you've seen the show, is a very funny show um, that ran for three seasons on Fox. I'm not really going to get into the whole Netflix thing. It got picked up on Netflix. There's some drama at the end. We're not going there. We're just kind (laughs) of talking about the original uh, run here. Um. And it, and I kind of want to just frame this as a, a, a show that was very groundbreaking and very ahead of its time. And for that, and for many reasons, struggled to find an audience as a result. So um, I want to take you back to a time. The year is 2003. Rachel, how old were you in 2003? <laughs> um, I think I was 24. Four? Mm, interesting. Is that I, right? Yeah, I don't know. I was 12. Yeah, so you might yeah. have been 24. I was like 11 or 12. And <laughs> and so actually this is what's really interesting. I was noticing this today that we were at our, our arrested developments are at the same time. It's like 12, 13. Yeah, you know, there's the intersection. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, I want to give you a flavor of other um, shows that are on in 2003. Ooh. So it's like, this is what is happening right before Arrest Development makes its way to the air. Okay? Yeah. We have shows, Friends is just ending. Never heard of it. Right. Will and Grace. Who? Two and a half men. How many men? Eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter. Said John Ritter. Yeah. Yeah, I Remember? never saw that. Right? And then a young Kenan Thompson starts on Saturday Night Live 
2003. <laughs> oh my god. That's when he started? That's what I saw on the internet. He's going to die on that show. He's going to be there until he's like 96. He needs help. Free Keenan. We need him to free him off that show. Forget Britney. Free Keenan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, so those are the kind of shows that are on at the time. And so when Arrest Development airs, this is a show with no laugh track. It's like almost a mockumentary style, but there's no talking heads. It has a bunch of fast, subtle jokes. And it basically was structured in a way where the show, it was so self-referential and such a continuation of a story, which is what a comedy was not supposed to do at the time. It was supposed to be in 30-minute bite-sized chunks. Now we have a show that has you have to watch it from the beginning, a comedy that you have to watch from the beginning in order to yeah. understand the jokes. This is the first show that was supposed to be binge-watched. Right, yeah. And there's nothing like that at the time. Right. Should we give a quick um, summary of like what the show's about? Sure, yeah. Um, Arrest Development, it's a, a family ensemble comedy about a family business. The Bluth Company, which is a real estate company. Um, our our hero Michael, our our protagonist Jason Bateman, right? He uh, lives in a model home of one of the homes that they're selling, and he kind of runs the Bluth Company as his father is in prison from his shady dealings. At yeah, the company. and I think like a lot of the show focuses on the fact that this is a rich family who is lost all their money. Like a lot of it, it almost like. Reminds me, I feel like Shit's Creek now is trying to do that, right? hundred percent. It was Shit's Creek before Shit's Creek. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and just like truly that ensemble comedy, we have friends in Seinfeld. And then later, like ten years later, we're getting uh Thirty Rock and uh uh Parks and Recreation and, and these kinds of shows. But there's a huge gap in there mm-hmm. when T V when television producers weren't really sure what to do. It was the death of the th- multi-camera laugh track sitcom. Yeah. And they had no idea what to do. And as a result, Arrested Development is there. And, like, you watch Arrested Development and then you watch The Office. Well, The Office is, like, in 2008 or something, right? When it comes on. 2006, maybe? I'm not sure. Yeah. 2000, yeah. It was definitely on in 2006. It may have even come on before that, but around Oh, then. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, for an American audience, at least, you know, I should say, that, like, these this idea of there not being a laugh track was jarring. Yeah. And the fact that you could miss jokes. Uh, I just feel like it, it, The Simpsons was the only thing I could think of that was, like, jokes are coming thick and fast. But The Simpsons is so bite-sized and none of it has to do with each other. You can take any Simpsons episode out of context and that's fine. You know what else is that fast? Faster even? Hmm. Rick and Morty. Well, yeah, but that's now. (laughs) But that's now. Yeah, that is, you know, that is 15 years later we get that, you know? (laughs) But, um, and it's, and also a groundbreaking thing is we have this weird, um, uh, incest theme before game of thrones right before incest was was in right totally (laughs) there's also like the the narrator character yeah there's like a whole voiceover it's such a meme now too like the narrator i remember you know if, if if it's like your political opponent or whatever you're trying to roast it's always like somebody says something and then it's like the narrator saying 
but it wasn't true or right, like whatever. Yeah. And that's like that Arrested Development narrator. That totally. Ron Howard. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it's... Uh, Uncredited. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, he appears later in the Netflix shows. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. But uh, uh, the show was not initially very successful from a ratings point of view. Um, this also is... 2003. Um, I wonder if people are still watching TV in the same way it's that they used to when they watched Seinfeld and Friends. The answer is no. People are watching the TV on the internet. In 2003? Yeah. Damn. You were able to um, you were able to uh, stream or even uh, buying the season on DVD. You know? Yeah, that was big. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't have like the same streaming services, but we're talking about TiVo. And we're talking about ways to record the show and watch it later. There was just a lot of TV technology that wasn't being tracked by the ratings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But Arrest Development won many awards, I think even in that first season, for writing and Emmys and stuff. But it it failed to, at least in Fox's eyes, capture an audience. So they kept moving the time of when it was on, trying to find that captured audience. Um, And the final kind of like knife in the side is even on the last episodes of Arrest Development, which I think they made the choice to air the last four of them in the same night or something uh, against the NBC coverage of the Winter Olympics. Oh, Jesus. So it's like the show is always kind of doomed to not meet its, uh, you know, uh, commercial success as determined by a corporation that was in... uh, a huge period of change which without is knowing so it. interesting now because none of that matters now none of like that matters. because everyone watches tv on their own time right now you'd be like so happy if somebody's like no i really like this one comedy like having people glued into that you, well you, like, yeah you can't capture that anymore totally and i have a lot of thoughts on that because i've listened to a lot of podcasts about netflix <laughs> and how like you know all the network shows and you could cut this out if you want but like all the network shows used to be made for everyone right mm-hmm. so it's like what's a show that everyone will like because there's only five channels right and there the answer is there is no show that everyone likes and what netflix started to do is the exact opposite of that which was create really niche shows where it's like this is a show that like trans uh, black teenagers will like, you know, yeah. and this is a show that like, and it, like just like super niche audiences. And that actually worked way well. Yeah. And now all these other networks are trying to do the same thing. Well, right. When, when as customers, we have unlimited options, you know, you're just going to gravitate to the things that make sense for you, you know? Yeah. And how interesting that Rachel, you just have this need to talk about Netflix and the strategy that that has Netflix's first like original acquiring of a previous show is Arrested Development, and I think that these things go hand in hand for that yeah. reason. That that binge worthy nature of it, and actually, when they brought Arrested Development back on Netflix, that season four premiere. I don't know. Have you seen any part no, of the Netflix? Because I'm not there yet. Yeah. Right. So it's really strange. In season four, what they do is they like show you. It's like a big event, and you see like somebody's episode. So it'd be like Lindsay's episode, and you see how she fits into the overall thing, and then you go you to the next... You see the event from one person's point of view. Exactly. Yeah. And you go throughout the thing, and um, it was... It's an evente. Yeah, it was kind of a mess. It was very... 
unfortunate. Okay. When you had an ensemble comedy, and I think they made this so that they could film it around each other's schedules, oh, but then you don't yeah. have them all in the same room. You don't yeah. have the bumpy, bumpy, you know? Ugh, what's the, mo- the mom actress's name? Jessica Walters. She is fucking amazing. Oh, my God. It, she is the best character. Lucille is so funny. I love her. I have some famous quotes um, here. Oh, yeah, Rachel. No, I was just thinking, like, she and Mae Whitman worked together in uh, Good Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. And she uh, is on Archer. Oh, that's right. And I can't remember if somebody... I feel like somebody else from Arrested is on there, but... All right. So, uh, we've got some famous quotes here. Um, There's always money in the banana stand. Of course. You know, uh, we've got, I've made a huge mistake from Job. Uh, also, another good job is illusions, Michael. They're my illusions. Tricks are what a whore does for money. Or cocaine. <laughs> um, look at Banner, Michael. Uh, I'm a monster! <laughs> and, of course, her. Um, <laughs> so many famous careers launched. Michael Sarah, Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, uh, Mae Whitman, her. Uh, maybe... Um, Mae Whitman was a child on an episode of Friends. She played the Girl Scout. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Look at how. Connecting it. Yeah, we are connecting it. (laughs) Um, So my thesis here, Rachel. Yes, please. Arrested Development is not indicative of its time. That it is so far ahead of its time, it paid a price. And um, just like... The, the the idea that this show is going up against eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter or I mean this is the reality boom we're talking about American Idol Jackass um, Crank Yankers like I don't know loved like, Crank Yankers <laughs> I'm just saying like <laughs> all the stuff that was on TV and then you have Arrested Development and just like it it, it just feels like the TV around it didn't deserve to even share the network yeah, space. Like, as if it came well. out, you know, five years later, mm-hmm. would it have maybe had more success? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us to what this show means to me. Yeah. Um, I, th- first of all, my family loved the show. We always watched it like when it aired, we were people that had TiVo and were throwing off the ratings, I guess. Um, I remember having burned DVDs of uh, the first three seasons and then buying the first three seasons on DVD, even <laughs> though I had the burned one, just so I could get the commentary. Wow. I loved Arrested Development so much. And it, I think it was because it was the show that made me feel smart for choosing comedy. I always loved comedy as a kid and always felt like drama was... Like, I was supposed to have a reverence for it when it's like a medical drama and someone's dying of a car accident, cancer, or something. I'm supposed to have this, like, reverence and, like, like it. But I always just kind of found it boring and I didn't like it. And here was Arrest Development, a show that was funny and I enjoyed, but also was actually mentally stimulating me in a way of, like, wait a minute. Did they plant that? hand joke for two seasons yeah i feel like the thing that i noticed when kind of watching it again because i i did watch arrested development when i was 24 or whatever when it was on i guess um but watching it now i am like 
whoa, like it is so self-referential how it's constantly like folding in on itself and referring to things just constantly jokes per second, like all the stuff, stuff that I kind of missed the first time around or didn't appreciate. Yeah. And like it's jokes per second, but it's like they use the whole Buffalo. Like yeah. those throwaway jokes are actually just the foreshadowing seeds of jokes to come. Like uh, I, I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, but like when Buster gets his hand bit off, there's a person who's warning him as he as he swims in the ocean. They say, oh, that's loose right. seal. Yeah. There's a loose seal, and he gets his hand bitten off by a seal. Loose seal. His mother's name is Lucille. His girlfriend's name is Lucille. Yeah. It's like this whole thing where it's like, did you, how long were you doing that? Because we saw like half a season ago, Job was like training a seal in his magic act, and they were just like, Planting this thing for a pun that a non-named character says. My favorite thing is is how maybe has this entire like <laughs> she is a teenager, but then in one episode she like accidentally ends up at like a film set, and then all of a sudden becomes a producer on films just because she pretended, I mean, and then it just <laughs> goes on for a whole season where she's just like making movies and no one knows she's not going to school, and I'm like. This is still... That plot line is still going? Like, what? <laughs> Marry me. Yeah. <laughs> Marry me. Yeah. Everyone's always like, you look really young. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> Marry me. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny. The, the quest that George Michael has to, uh, you know, confess his love to his cousin and the tension... There's so that much that... incest on that show. I mean... They don't act it out, but, like, there's that plotline, and then there's obviously Buster and his mom. There's Buster and his mom. Well, it turns, you know, maybe has a crush on Steve Holt, and it turns out that Steve Holt is Job's son. Yeah. So there's all these, like, kind of, like, they, it's literally the jokes themselves are incestuous. Right. Right? That they just keep breeding with each other and making these weird new formed references. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I just, um can't really praise the, the the first three seasons of this show enough in terms of like they were up against it uh the second season was originally supposed to be like 22 episodes and just like right towards the end they just cut it to 18 and it's like when when the show is this intricate and you see that these jokes are set up you imagine how many of these jokes they actually had to drop you know that's what makes me realize that like that doesn't happen as much now because when a show is created for a streaming platform, it's usually, I feel like they air all the episodes. Do you know what I mean? It's not like they like stop making them, right? They might not renew a show for a second season, but rarely, there's no show on Netflix, for example, that's like, well, they were supposed to have 22 episodes, but they only made eight. Like that right. wouldn't happen because they're right. all made before they're put up. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I don't know exactly how all that works, but you're right. I, I find that we don't hear that. As much production well, drama. You, you put a whole season up at a time. You don't put an episode out at a time. Right. Right. Yeah, I just don't know how much they pre-recorded those old network shows, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, it's it's just a, a, a fantastic show and, and a, 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 an important one to me, especially as a as an angry, like, young teenager in 2003 to 2006. There's a lot. Why are you so angry? The world was falling apart, and this is where I turned the podcast into everything has to do with Dick Cheney. Um, oh God! But um, what I but this uh, 
the whole big twist in in season three, which I don't even know if you know, has to do with um, them building uh, model homes for Saddam Hussein. And it's all tied into the Iraq War and Fox and Fox's coverage of the Iraq War and um, and of these like business families that are working with uh, you know uh, you know foreign adversaries and all this. <laughs> so it just became this big meta political commentary. And of course, Fox is probably in 2006 is probably like not loving that. So, you know, you wonder how much that could have had to do with the cancellation, too. It's right. literally, a you know, against things. That's how I don't understand how Bart Simpson himself was on Fox as long as it's been on Fox. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were always railing against Fox when yeah. they were on Fox. And now The Simpsons belongs to Disney and we live in an apocalypse. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. So... Rachel, uh, I, I just want to ask, like, do you, uh, in the boot camp this week at all, did you, uh, were any new revelations about Arrested Development uh, happening? Yeah, I think or? just, like, watching it recently, just the, all, like, what you just explained about, like, the joke setups being done seasons in advance and episodes in advance and all of the connections, like, Maybe's whole storyline, like, all, everything having to do with Buster. Like, I just feel like... Uh, that's just stuff that was lost on me the first time. Yeah. Um, I also just like wasn't really into TV in my early 20s. Like I studied television in college right. and then I was like, I don't want to watch TV. So I really didn't even, I just like wasn't even that into it, you know? Right. And then now, of course, all I do is watch television, hashtag quarantine. Um, but also TV is just so good right now. Um, but I do think it makes a lot of sense that this was your, you know, knowing your era of SNL, your kind of comedy, like it makes a lot of sense that this was such an important comedy to you as a performer. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love a cynical ensemble that uh, never learns anything and always is tempted to do the right thing and then betrays each other at the last second. And now a quick connection between Arrested Development and Arrested Development, um, which is like, so because Arrested Development, the hip hop group sued Arrested Development, the TV show, the TV show referenced this in the show many times. So, for example, you know, the whole like mother boy. Yeah, (laughs) there's like a mother boy pageant. And then there's also a mother boy the band. band. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And the narrator like comments like the show is legally obligated to make a distinction between the band and the pageant. <laughs> and now it's about Arrested Development. Right. That makes um, sense. And there are a few of those um, in a public relation in the episode called Public Relations. There's a headline in a newspaper like in a freeze frame. And it says like musician sues restaurant over the use of name oh, or whatever. Wow, stuff wow. like that. Um, there's a bunch of those. Um, there is uh, for British eyes only. Mm-hmm. Remember that yeah. episode? Mr. Uh, F. They want to use Freebird for the name of. Uh, yeah. Joe wants to use Freebird for the name of his illusion, but he has to settle on free chicken. chicken. And then people show up to the event because they think there's free chicken. <laughs> um, and all of that is all just, I mean, sadly, because of the lawsuit. Uh, right. But yeah. 
That's so great. Yeah. I, of course, that that would be integrated into the show as like everything was. I hear rumors um, that one of the plot lines that was cut from the original rest development is that Tobias is an albino African American. Oh, that's probably good that that was cut. I if it's... you go back and watch it. All the seeds of that joke are there. There's like, really? like this line of, um, uh, someone says like, uh, they're talking about uh, Carl Weathers or somebody else, and they're like, he's this big, strong black man. And Tobias says, well, I'm sorry, I can't be a big, strong man. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like all these like little jokes that if you watch it back through, you're like. Wait, is that something that they were going to do? It's Whoa. so crazy. Wow. <laughs> Probably good that that didn't go that way. But yeah. 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 Um, and hey, look, at some point we're going to have to talk about, you know, which Bateman are you? And you're clearly a Justin Bateman, but I started out as a Justine. I'm a Jason Bateman. Thank oh, sorry. Jason. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> and I'm a Justine. Yeah. Uh, but that's for another time. Absolutely. Well, Rachel. I think we've come to a close on this Arrested Development, Arrested Development. I am everyday people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am everyday people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't stop. Rachel. What? We forgot Hat of Time. Oh my god. The Hat of Time. Time, 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 time. Time, time, time. You guys know the Hat of Time. I'm just going to go ahead and take this hat that contains events from the years 1990-something to 2000-something. Reach in and pull one out. Whoa! Don't let it bite you. Oh man, the past had more teeth than it has now. Let's look at what it says on this very real piece of paper. It says, my first smartphone. Rachel Rosenthal, tell me about your first smartphone. Well, his name was Larry. There was a chemistry between us, something unspoken, you know? Yeah, because it was a phone. What? Oh, right. Okay. Uh, My first smartphone. God, my first smartphone? I'm thinking of my first cell phone. I honestly don't even know my first smartphone. I, can we, uh, you go first. Wow. When you first got a smartphone, what was the first app you downloaded on that phone? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have no idea. I have to think about this. I will say, we were just talking about this, that I remember being like, what's the point of apps? I was like, if there's yeah. a browser, right. why do I need to go to 100%. like a Gmail app if I could just go to gmail.com? Like, I literally didn't get that. Now, obviously, I do. Yeah, but I also kind of don't, right? I mean, they made it so that we had to do it this way. They didn't have to, right? Like, Right. Well, now you go on a website and it's very mobile friendly. So it's like we didn't even have to do this whole app thing. But you really don't. Yeah. You didn't then either. They just wanted to make you think that you needed something else. Right. right. And it's like, oh, yeah, you could get to the New York Times website for free on the Internet. But you know what? Download this app for two dollars. Right. Oh, my God. Um, what was my first app I downloaded? God, clearly I was not that into technology at the time. What about you? 
I was probably like 19. I just I was also late to the party in terms of a smartphone and a cell phone. Didn't care. I actually had a cell phone like when I was a freshman in high school, and then it was like a flip phone. And then I was like, no, I don't need this. I and then eventually I got a smartphone kind of right after high school, and. Yeah, I think I was, like, soaked on, like, you know, there's, like, that Constellation app where you can, like, point it up towards the sky. That was already out by the time you got your smartphone? Yeah, I got a smartphone pretty late. I mean, That I'm... app is so cool, I think, still. <laughs> I think it's so cool. You whipped that out the other day. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, it is cool. It's cool to have around. Um, also, just, like, the idea of, like, I remember downloading, like, a Game Boy emulator and being able to play Pokemon on my phone. Um, and similar to you, I didn't have an iPhone. And then... One one of my phones was an iPhone, and I Apple will not let you download those kind of programs to make illegal well, Game Boys. Well, that's the thing. iPhones are fucking... I mean, Apple's just so stupid in that way. Like, I could do anything I wanted on my phones. I've never had an Apple phone, and hey, I have no regrets. Yeah, Rachel's really proud that she's never had an iPhone. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> um, all right, sh- sorry. Yeah, should I reach into the hat of time? Yeah. The you... very real hat? Yeah, yeah, it's so with real. With so much time in it? Yeah, it's just a Ooh, temporal it's so hat. Deep. It's such a deep beret. <laughs> well, yeah, it's infinite. <laughs> it is. Oh, my goodness, babe. This is a really big one. Okay, that seems like a big piece of paper it's you pulled huge. out. It's <laughs> huge. September 11th. What the hell? Where were you? Where and was I? That's not the going... question you should be asking. Where <laughs> were you? So what are your memories with September 11th? This Damn. is a true generation gap. You know, this this is the real deal. This yeah. is a date that is weird for us to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because you're a denier. Because <laughs> I, <deny. laughs> I deny the whole thing. Um, no. Um. Uh, I I was in fifth grade, I believe, <laughs> and I was on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So we found out it would have been like right. six in the morning here. So before I went to school that day, I remember uh, my brother had the news on and it was like happening. And I was just kind of like, I was in fifth grade. Oh my God. So I was just kind of like crazy cool, you know, like. Stuff's blowing up. Cool. And then it was like... You weren't scared? No. I. Why would I be... Like, I'm like, oh, some, like someone crashed a plane into a building. You know Far what I mean? away from me. So far away. Yeah. Like, I didn't understand why it was such a big deal for a little bit, you know? I remember our teachers, like, said, telling us in class, like, it's like, you know, I know people think that it's like explosions and cool but it's like a lot of people died it's like a really big deal you know jesus and like us being like oh okay i guess so you know you're just like trying to like tell a child like what like a random act of terrorism like did you guys get pulled out of school no weird (laughs) no i guess it was just far away i was in cottage grove oregon we weren't next you know (laughs) (laughs) i was at harrison elementary really not the next target on al-qaeda or Oh, man. Well, I graduated college in 2001. Mm-hmm. I moved to Boston September 1st. So this happened 10 days later. And I didn't have a job yet. I was like interviewing and looking for jobs. And it was, I had just gotten a cell phone. And if you 
recall, you probably don't because you were too young. The cell phones like didn't work that day because everyone was trying to use them at the same time. And it was like so early on that I didn't like, realize that. Yeah. Um, like that's why no one could like reach people. So my dad was at, you know, the towers. So yeah. I have a very personal story with September 11th. He survived and is, is doing great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, you know, so everyone's trying to call people who were downtown Manhattan, like, and no one's phones were working because all the towers were overloaded because it was just like early days of cell phones. Like they did, they weren't like they are now, <laughs> you know, I guess the one G or whatever couldn't right, handle right. it. Yeah. Um, so my cell phone wasn't working. I couldn't get through to anyone. And um, my dad didn't have a cell phone yet. And um, he, he, I mean, the story is his to tell, but he basically like, you know, escaped the towers and uh, he made calls to my family to tell everyone that he was safe from a restaurant that let the, let him use the phone. But I was in Boston and I just remember being like, you know, I'm from, you know, everyone I love was like living in New York and working in New York. And so it was just like, for me, it was like very close to home. And I was like, people I know are going to die. <laughs> so God forbid. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. It was so crazy. I just remember that footage being on for like a month nonstop on the news. Right? Also, I'm like so surprised, but I was like awake. Like I'm not normally awake that early, I feel like. Right. So I I guess I was sleeping at my boyfriend's house and our friend called and was like, turn the TV on. And it was like 8.15 or whatever and or 8.30 and the first plane hit, had already hit. And while we were watching, we saw the second plane hit. Yeah. And I was like, wait, is this from earlier or is this happening right now? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy. Really crazy. That yeah. was the hot yeah. of time. I mean, that is what, right yeah, there. I mean, was definitely one of the, uh, I, I thought the watershed moment of my generation until we've all been locked inside of our houses for a year. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it is crazy. And like, yeah, I, I mean, that is our, you know, do you remember when JFK was shot or whatever, 100%. you know? And so, yeah, I, I remember specifically that morning, fifth grade. Yeah. It's very, very, very crazy. Good it's hat of so time. Crazy. You were in fifth grade and I was, uh, yeah, like 22 or 23 right. or something. Yeah, that's classic out of time. Classic Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Thank you, out of time. You're welcome, Rachel. Holy shit. Oh, my shit. God. Out of time just talked. Denise, get in here. Denise. Sorry, guys. We are going to have to cut it. We are going here. to have to study that hat for science. <laughs> Rachel's Generation Gap podcast is produced by Rachel Rosenthal and Sam DeRost. Original theme song and music by Douglas Wydick and Sweet Tea Studios. Original artwork by Aaron Maybe Designs and Snuggles by Rosie the Galva. on Sam and Rachel's <laughs> Generation Gap. <laughs> TBD. Yeah. TBD.